What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 224 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, I am your host. My name is Tim Backbeck. And yeah, thank you for everyone for checking back in with us. It, it was a long little break that we had, but we're back up and rolling. Um, I didn't really say this at the beginning of the last one because I was just kind of excited to get the episode back out again. But I'm trying to get a bit more focus on on the UK scene and, and friends that I have in the UK scene. Um, just because I kind of realised towards the end of, well, I say towards the end, where I was kind of at with things is I, I was interviewing a lot of people from the States and just in terms of uh, time difference and my schedule and stuff, it was just really difficult to kind of get, pin those people down. And that's not to say I won't still have uh, guests from the US over, over, on, same thing. Um, but yeah, there's just so much cool stuff going on in the UK right now that I wanted to to give that a platform as well. So we're going to be sticking with the UK bands for a little while. Um so if you're in a band in the UK, or if you do anything music-related in the UK, touring, photography, anything like that, I'm looking to kind of branch out a little bit as well. So hit me up, give us a shout, and let's have a chat. Um, it's been a pretty rad seven days since since the last episode went up. Um, went and saw my good friends, uh, well, good friends, I should say. Uh, so Knifed Out of Existence. Uh, Vyman and Flesh Liquor uh, did a cool little noise show here in Bristol. And then there was a straight edge show uh, with which Contention headlined. Awesome sets from Deliverance, uh, Apothecary, shout out Apothecary. It was really nice to catch up with Dan and Amy um, and our reprisal, who was fucking sick. Uh, and then Sunday, I went up to the Big Smoke and saw one of my favorite bands in the world in Converge. Um, so yeah, it's been a good fucking week for gigs. And also in terms of new music, the new Fleshwater record came out uh, on Friday. So go get that in your lug holes because that is creeping up already on my albums of the year. So hinting to a future episode there. So put a pin in that if you if you will. But yeah, loads of really cool stuff going on. Um some cool stuff going on with me behind the scenes, which I will hopefully be sharing with you very, very soon. Um, but yeah, it's just nice to be back and chatting to everyone. I know this is very much a one-way conversation, but I really, really appreciate everyone who's kind of give, shown the love for the episode that I did last week, last week with Jake. Um, they are actually, as I speak, they are on tour with Leonardo. So if you get an opportunity to go see him this week, Go fucking do it, because Harriet are fucking sick. Uh, and Sneak Peek, I think they're playing a new track on this tour, so go fucking check that out. Um, but yeah, I've chatted way too long. Um, so let's get into this week's guest. And this week's guest is someone who I've wanted to have on for a very long time, but we just never got around to it. And But you, you'll see from this conversation, we could have chatted for fucking hours. Um it's an honor and a pleasure to have this person on like they've been a dear dear friend of mine for for many many a year and it was yeah it was just cool to just to have a general catch up i am of course talking to the fantastic mikey parker aka vino sangri aka the person that probably produces every single t-shirt that is in your wardrobe um yeah we chat about so much we chat about obviously how vino got started we talk about uh, our mutual love for Zayo. 
we talk about just loads of stuff. It was, and this was like probably one of the most authentic episodes that I've ever done of this show. So, and it was just a pleasure to do it with Mikey. So, yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Mikey, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Oh, how, how was your day? Busy. Yeah? Yeah, really fucking busy. It's um pretty relentless at the moment. <laughs> yeah, how come? I think, like, because of awesome merch, to be honest. Oh, shit, yeah, of course, yeah. So that, yeah, that all went, like, mad. And then I think, yeah, we're just kind of busy. Like, just generally, uh, Max broke his hand as well, so we're kind of running a little bit behind schedule. Oh shit! Um, so yeah, so basically we've got uh, my hand's still fucked. Yeah, uh, Sam's got a broken wrist, and Max's <laughs> got a broken hand. We're, we're literally like the worst fucking print shop in in like the yeah, the whole of the uh, UK. But yeah, it's all right. It's it's okay. It's just um, it's just quite relentless at the moment. I mean, I'm definitely not complaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking fair. good, but um, but yeah, like, like it's just been really stressful recently, just because of all this. Sh- I don't know if did you see that post I put on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's just long in it. So well, that's the thing though. Like, obviously, we've like in Bristol, there's been like three like independent restaurants recently that have like one is closing, one have basically said like we need to up our prices and the other one is like on the verge of closing and it's just yeah. like how the fuck do you expect like independent businesses to survive in this shit it's fucking ridiculous yeah it's crazy and i think like because i mean even vrev closed didn't it yeah yeah and they were like the the og of all of them so yeah i don't know like i think the problem is like stuff is becoming more of a luxury yeah yeah but like if you if unless you need t-shirts for like a business or you're going on tour like a lot of people um are treating that as a luxury going out for meals that's a luxury getting yeah. like all of the things that you would like maybe save some money towards and do like i mean even even me now i'm like right i'm gonna go to this show in london ah oh, fuck it's like 120 quid on the train like yeah yeah I, I can't afford that. So then, like, what would normally be like a forty quid night out suddenly becomes a two hundred quid night out, and it, yeah, it's just um, it's just a lot to take on, and I think everyone's just like feeling pretty burnt by it all. I think yeah, like that's the thing. Like even like I've had to sort of, I, and like me being a person that used to go fucking all over the country for shows like even i'm having to sort of like think about it and look and be like can i really afford to go to this show am i likely to see them again at another point in time exactly whereas like five years ago i wouldn't think and you're the same wouldn't think twice about like oh this band is playing like a one-off secret show in glasgow it's like a 12-hour drive (laughs) yeah i'm gonna do it anyway like yeah i mean I, i remember seeing ampere back in the day like and i got the train up from cornwall to london and um, they, I think they played for about 15 minutes. And I was like, oh, fuck, I've been <laughs> on the train for like nine hours. <laughs> but, but like, that's what it used to be like. So like, and you could afford to do that. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And well, I'm really, I'm really lucky. Like I earn an, like an okay wage. Like yeah, me and Sam are pretty like, um, I don't know. We don't take as much money as we could do because we want everything to just be like secure. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is like a, a personal choice because I I like the only thing I buy is like records. That's yeah, like, yeah. Like that's basically it, and I've got my stupid car which I have to fix every two weeks. But like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh, i don't know like you just you just can't afford stuff anymore like i mean even records like i bought the the new birds and row record and i bought one for my friend and it was like 75 quid I, knew, I was just about to say i um i for the first because i've bought a couple like at shows and things because like mm -hmm. you want to support like touring bands and stuff mm -hmm. but i went into special subject for the first time in a little while just because i know it's like danger territory yeah and they had the new Mind Force record, and I was like, "I have to get it because it's fucking Mind Force." Yeah, and it was like thirty-five quid. I'm like, "Fuck!" Mm -hmm. It just stings so fucking bad. But... Yeah, exactly. So like, I don't know. I think that's just going to be the way it is now. Like, you have to really justify buying stuff because it is like, it is a luxury. So like, I think yeah, bands are going to start coming through England less and less. That's a definite yeah that's all that's already started like bands are just doing like three or four uk shows and that's it yeah and they're hitting like the major like london manchester leeds or something like that and that's fucking it yeah so like because we're trying to do these shows in uh norwich and like yeah loads of the agents are just like yeah we just there is no there's no space like they're flying in they're doing 10 days in europe and then they got three uk dates it's like yeah cool and so like to the point where like it was actually cheaper so my friend when i saw russian circles in paris yeah actually cheaper to do that than to just like go to a london show honestly we, so we went to me and a couple of friends went to paris uh fuck when was it may april may time yeah but um like an all day -er. and we like we spent the we were there like Friday, we arrived Friday night. The show was Saturday. Mm -hmm. Had a bit of time in Paris on the Sunday and flew home like Sunday night. And that whole round trip was cheaper than doing like Outbreak. Yeah, it was just <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah, this is it. So like, um, I really want to see Converge in a few weeks at Damnation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just so expensive. Like, because it's not just the ticket. It's the you're gonna have to find somewhere to stay like the travel the food and it's just like fuck like i mean i mean yeah i'm fortunate and old enough to have seen them a billion times yeah yeah but yeah i, I yeah well you know what i'm like when converge come through i'm that, <laughs> that's 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 peak mikey just losing his mind so <laughs> so yeah and, and because they're playing like jane doe as well i think like yeah that's that's going to be a pretty special show that's the thing, like, because I got, I've, I'm going to the London show, so I got my ticket for that, mm -hmm. and then they obviously announced that they were doing Jane Doe at Damnation, and I was sort of like, oh, I just, yeah. yeah, just cannot justify it. It's fucking no, insane. Well, that's the thing, because the London venue, like, have you been there before? No, no. Okay, so like, yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, really? I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to like shit your shit your on your plans or anything, but like, yeah, the venue because we saw. When I saw the Melvins there, and like the sound was awful. Oh, like, really? I don't know whether it was just like 
because it, it was the Melvins, but it was just like fucked up, like super muddy, like. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what it'd be like for Converge because obviously, like, well, no, you, you kind of expect Melvins to be like good, good sound as well. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. So I don't know. So that I decided not to go to that because of the venue. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Then I just couldn't justify the money all the time because that's the other thing. Because like, because work takes up like pretty much my entire life. Like, I have to justify like taking time off of work as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's gone other days where I could just be when when it was just me and I could be like, right, I'm just gonna fuck <laughs> off for a couple of weeks. Like now I have to like yeah, book it into a calendar and yeah. So you're a proper businessman nowadays. I know it is crazy. It is like it's really crazy. Like I mean, it, it's super cool. Like I'm I'm literally like the luckiest dude ever. But like yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's been it's been a long it's a it's been a long journey to get where it is now. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It is what it is, really. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a nice organic thing. Like it's not been like pushed or like. Oh, one hundred percent weird. So like, so yeah, I'm I'm basically like the luckiest dude ever because <laughs> I made a job out of working with punk bands. Yeah. <laughs> predominantly. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's um, it's like dream life for me. Well, well, I want to get into the whole sort of vino journey surely and i haven't even introduced you but i thought we're having a good chat and we're I'm, i've recorded anyway but i'm with the man the myth the legends mikey parker <laughs> um a very very near and dear friend of mine and um yeah it's just really cool to kind of because i've been meaning to get you on in ages and i've just been fucking busy with moving to bristol and shit mm -hmm. and it's taken me a while to kind of reboot this and whatever so but obviously like i just kind of wanted to obviously start like at the beginning how I kind of usually do and like obviously we've known each other for for many years but we kind of obviously met through like the more sort of like screamo side of things but like what was your kind of in in terms of like getting into alternative music and stuff so originally because I'm old like I'm like an OG grunge kid mm. so like all of the grunge stuff was happening as I was in secondary school so it was literally just like yeah Nirvana Pearl Jam and then the sort of indie stuff like Radiohead. Um, and then I had a few older friends, as as always is the way. Um, and they had like brothers that were into stuff. And they're like, oh, if you if you like that, you should fucking yeah, listen to this. And then so I jumped from like grunge like straight into like death metal. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah, went straight into like Napalm Death and Cannibal Corpse and stuff like that. And then a few years later, I just like so so I, I grew up really like in a like a really christian like religious home okay so, um so like like normal music like secular music wasn't like particularly like not allowed but like it weren't like liked in my house yeah yeah so um so there yeah so the, the weird thing is i got really into like uh christian metalcore right okay and that is still like my, my my main thing so like so basically i just kept finding all these bands um like zeo and living sacrifice and all of all of that sort of stuff um and through that found sort of more hardcore stuff and straight edge stuff so got into really uh like the old victory stuff like strife snapcase 
uh, dead guy, all of that kind of thing. Mm. Um, cut all my hair off. Got yes, like my my clothes got skinnier, uh, <laughs> and then through weird fortune, um, just through going to shows and meeting people, there's a guy called Matt who now plays in a death metal band called Liquid Shit. Um, he's a really old friend of mine, and he made me this mixtape. Um, again, which is probably like the same as a lot of other people, but yeah, made a mixtape that literally like threw everything on its head because that just had all the screamo stuff, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all the kind of like the more arty sort of rock stuff and like yeah, fucking Blood Brothers and all of that sort of stuff and some math rock and that just like, yeah, just opened. I mean, I I'm just a massive music nerd anyway. So yeah, like, yeah. So if someone shows me something and I like it, I'll just dive into it. And then that's, that's me for the next, like, however many months. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I kind of just like zipped around between genres. Um, and yeah, eventually like, I guess, yeah. Screamo is my, my main passion. Yeah. yeah. And it still is. I don't matter. It don't matter if it's like not cool anymore or anything like that. Like, um, yeah, that's still, that's still my thing. And yeah, then, yeah. like, like early uh early 2000s christian metalcore uh that yeah that's about it really but like so like on that because obviously you say like growing up in like a christian household and things mm. but like obviously wanting to still have that like heavier sort of influence i guess like mm-hmm. how were you discovering those bands was somebody like showing you or was it just kind of like your curiosity and stuff so there's a couple of weird things so my mum actually bought me Azeo record. Oh, sick! So, so both my parents worked in in the church, and they had this kind of bookshop. And she, I, for for whatever reason, she was just like because she hated the fact that I listened to all this like like evil satanic music and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. That. So she was like, "I've I've got you this CD," and I was like, "Yeah, go on then, put it on." <laughs> and she was like absolutely floored by it. Yeah. So. So back in the day, the before I mean, I guess it's just like before the internet really exploded, like, um, and this, yeah, this is really showing my age, but like we, you, you had dial up. So you, you could literally like leave your computer on overnight and fingers crossed have like one MP3 by the time, <laughs> yeah. by the time you wake up in the morning. Um, so it was really like really old school kind of like detective work. So you'd kind of look at all the stuff on that sort of, record label um you then read the sort of thanks lists and like who the bands were touring with and just looking at flyers and shit like that and then then yeah just kind of building it from there and being like right i like i like this but i don't like that and then uh, the the weird thing with the sort of christian stuff is there's always like a christian alternative so like so yeah you have all the like the christian death metal stuff then you had the sort of norma genie kind of stuff yeah and there's like MXPX, which is the kind of skate punk kind of thing. So there's always like a weird alternative. But like I did, I wasn't mad, like, obviously, like I'm not religious now, but like being being raised like that way was just like, I don't know. That's kind of what I knew. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So it was um, it was kind of cool to just find all of these these bands that were just uh, similar to the other stuff. But I could literally like put on in the car when my mum was driving me to school and like she was cool with it do you know what I mean? yeah yeah um and then yes yeah, so, and some of those fans still hold up like I still fucking love Zeo like 
all of those old records are still some of the hardest fucking metalcore that's that's around you know so like um it, and it didn't really bother me that like i mean i guess none of them were like like overtly christian yeah there was i mean there was like under oath and stuff which like that was a bit too much for me but like yeah like zeo you would literally not know that they were like a christian band mm. so like so yeah so i just had no yeah i just delved really into that really and that yeah that kind of kept me uh kept me on side with my parents yeah. um and it was kind of interesting because no one else was fucking listening to that stuff so because that's the thing like i think i was kind of the opposite in terms of like i discovered the bands but didn't realize they were christian bands so like <laughs> like zeo like under oath and things like that like un- for me like under oath were like the band oh really but, like it wasn't until like i saw like i think it was um uh they're only chasing safety it came with like a making of dvd yeah and it wasn't until i read like watched that that i realized they were a christian band i was like oh fuck and like comeback kids another one like they're Mm. like they obviously started off as a christian band i had no idea i was just like this is just sick melodic hardcore yeah so it's yeah there's like it's kind of like an inadvertent gateway yeah and that's the weird thing because like i mean all of those bands were touring together anyway so like so yeah if you went to an earth crisis show like zeo would probably be supporting them at some point and like there was always like a crossover between them i mean obviously there was like proper christian bands that like were like hella christian yeah yeah really sort of fit in but like but yeah most of the stuff that was on like two for now and solid state and all of those labels kind of like maybe the the people in the bands were like Christian, but they weren't really singing Christian stuff. Yeah. So like, I don't know, like some of the old Zayo stuff is a little like when they're like praying between songs and like um, that, that stuff's a bit like too much, but like yeah, yeah. from the point where I got into them, the like, they were like a Christian band that were not playing Christian lyrics or like i mean i guess it's the same as like straight edge stuff it's just a lyrical theme isn't it really yeah yeah it either resonates with you or it doesn't and like for for me like yeah none of the the lyrics were about like god and jesus and stuff like that i mean obviously there were bits that were but like but yeah like that just just seemed to be what i got into and that then got me into well essentially away from sort of more death metal and metal and thrash and into the sort of hardcore stuff um and it's all just like a weird pivotal journey isn't it yeah yeah you just meet certain people throughout the way like I said like yeah my friend Matt he was like yeah very inspirational with that uh because I I was just like this this weird like nerdy hardcore kid and like there weren't really many people in my hometown that were into that sort of stuff yeah so so yeah i would go to shows by myself um quite a lot of the time and yeah i was just a nerd so (laughs) so yeah that was that was kind of the journey i guess and i could like because one of the things i wanted to ask you about was your love of zeo and now like i know that kind of origin it kind of it makes sense because i think you're the only person that i know that has so much love for that band like you know i've I've literally got like five or six like zeo tattoos like yeah like my whole my whole sort of front is like 
loosely like based on one of their records yeah yeah which is crazy like because yeah then people were like oh yeah but that's a, that's a fucking christian <laughs> <laughs> oh no that's fuck like and then but it's i mean it's a good like it's a good thing to talk about like um but yeah that it's interesting because now they're kind of getting a bit more like it seems to be like that kind of like metalcore is getting more popular in the states and, yeah. and here to be fair and so like because they're still going um and still making records which is still fucking good in my opinion I, I yeah the, the last record is amazing but like but yeah i think they because back in the day like they weren't really popular no well that's well that's what i was getting because i remember like my brother had um I, could, I always get the order of the records mixed up the one before lesser lights of heaven um hang on let's go let's go in order so well, I started with uh, Blood and Fire Brings Rest, which is, that's that's still that's still my top three of all time. Um, then there was uh, the Event Horizon one, uh, Liberate Texture. That's Tech. right. That's so. That's the one I'm on about. So. Yeah, that, that's when they just they they were like, right, we we listen to like Neurosis now, so we want to yeah. be really like this weird kind of droney kind of hardcore thing. Um, and yeah, that's that's the record that I have all the, the tattoos from. Yeah, that had like fucking blast beats and yeah. Like... So so like my brother had that record and like at the time I think I was very much like peak MySpace era sort of <laughs> in terms of my personal listening. Yeah, but he obviously had that like blaring around the house and I was just like, what the fuck is this sort of thing? Mm-hmm. With a lot of the like, I big him up as much as I can because like if it wasn't for him introducing me to bands I wouldn't be where I am yeah but like I just vividly remember like that and the self-titled just being Mm. like it took me like I wanted to love it because it was just so different to what I'd listened to yeah but it was also like to an extent really inaccessible yeah and I remember like going to college and like speaking to like people that I knew and they were like, I have no idea who this band is. And I was like, sick, this is going to be my band then. Yeah. And yeah. like, and so obviously when we became friends and found out that you fucking loved them, I was like, oh, sick, someone else that loves AO. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're still few and far between. There's still mm. like, I think there, yeah, there's some people like um, that play in like metalcore bands now that sort of have found like a Zayo shirt on eBay or something. Um but I mean, they. I think Blood and Fire came out in like maybe ninety six. Yeah, yeah. So I was literally like fifteen. Yeah. So like, and yeah, I'm now in my forties. So I've literally <laughs> loved that band for, for the extent of, yeah, decades. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like, so yeah, it is interesting that I don't know whether that's just because they were like, in inverted commas, like a Christian band, and that's what put people off or whatever or they never really got a chance but like it seems to be now that like because that those first records were so intense yeah for for that time period like because i'd never heard anything like it it was just like metallic hardcore with like some kind of like carcass gnarly vocal like the vocals are fucking insane yeah yeah like, and still to this day like nothing really beats that for me like oh yeah 100 percent. it's like i don't know about you but it's like for me it's like the perfect sound like yeah um of of that kind of genre and stuff like 
and that yeah there's not really been many bands that have like encapsulated there's i mean there's but yeah obviously bands that i love and like like dearly love but like zayo for some reason just like everything about it resonated with me like, yeah 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 so so yeah i i'm a i'm a full dork when it comes to <laughs> so. but then so then obviously like you say that was kind of like you're in and then you kind of like explored all the different sort of like genres and kind of as you say like weaving in and out of it sort of thing mm-hmm. but in you in terms of you like playing music because obviously I think like when we first met like you were predominantly doing drums but obviously mm-hmm. I know you, you do bass you play a bit of guitar and things like that so what was like your first like instrument that you played and what was kind of like the, the main drive for learning I guess so originally I was a guitarist right um and we just wanted to start a band because we literally had like fuck all else to do in our hometown and it kind of got us out of the house um and away from our parents and um just yeah just opened up this sort of weird little world so like so we were kind of really fortunate because like because my parents worked at the church they like we were allowed to like use this like weird backroom that they had to right so we yeah me and me and my friends just had this like really awful like nirvana covers and kind of thing like we were like literally like 14 yeah Um, and yeah we just kind of started doing that just to sort of stay out of trouble and like back in the day like um if you had like long hair and a skateboard and a fucking baggy jeans or whatever you were just like a target for people to just like pick on and like yeah yeah street so like so yeah so we just kind of like tucked ourselves away and did that and that kind of yeah that was just like a a really shit band that eventually we kind of turned into into like a Norma Jean kind of band okay so yeah so that was a a band called Mia Hope um and that yeah did that for for quite a long time and yeah I I think like I moved to drums just because when I went to uni like um yeah there weren't really any drummers and I, I I met this dude called Chi um and he was like an insanely good guitarist. Like, you know, when you meet someone and they're like, oh, yeah, I can play guitar. And then they pick the guitar up and just fucking like shred your mind. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, dude, OK, I can't even get close to playing that sort of stuff. So I'll just play the drums. Yeah. And like I knew basics of drums because uh, me and uh, me and some of the members of the the, the shit Nirvana band were in, in like the church band. Oh, OK. right. So, so we'd be doing like church songs and just like throwing in little blast beats and like little breakdowns and stuff um much to the amusement or bemusement of uh all the people at the church but um but yeah so at uni I moved to drums basically just to keep up with that guy and that's when I kind of decided that drums was going to be my thing yeah so so yeah then so that was that was then a band called uh the missiles of uncertain destinations which was basically like converge playing pop songs i guess <laughs> that's amazing yeah so that that was cool um and and that was kind of like my first kind of i guess the first band i went on tour with um and the first kind of like i guess like insight into more sort of diy stuff like yeah yeah but before i went to uni so it was all we because we're just outside of london so we started playing with all the sort of uh the LBU bands and like 
we were just like it, it kind of went from Nirvana into like this kind of like awful kind of rap rap metal thing so we had this amazing singer who like could scream incredibly well but he just wanted to rap as well okay so we had to like meet this compromise in the middle um so yeah so we ended we ended up just playing with all the sort of like the kind of moshier bands um but by that point i'd obviously like yeah got into into screamo and, and more kind of i guess like the technical hardcore like yeah converge and botch and drama, yeah. that sort of stuff so um so yeah i kind of lost interest with that pretty quickly so yeah. when i when i met she and like we and we were listening to like listening to music together he was like one of the few people that like really got the music that i got kind of thing yeah yeah um, and we just yeah ju we just were finding bands left right and center um we would basically just like stay up all night just finding bands and just like because we live together so i'd just like be zipping songs to him and to just like because this is the thing so it was like we had the internet but it was just like hella slow so like, yeah you download a record and put it on like a on like a zip disc take yeah, it yeah. To him, and then he would copy it onto his computer and so yeah we just like bootlegged all this music and just like kind of both became like encyclopedias for like certain things um but yeah like i said that was my first kind of insight into sort of the more kind of diy stuff that we're into yeah now um and started playing with more bands that i was more interested in listening to and stuff um so yeah you mentioned cool. obviously like being in like church band as well like so yeah like even if like your parents maybe weren't necessarily a fan of what you wanted to listen to and what you were kind of like going for, were they like I guess and they were they encouraging of like you playing music just in general? Um, yes, because it kept us out of trouble. Yeah, like they really hated the music that we played because, <laughs> because again because it like it was like they they didn't see it as like satanic or anything, but they were like. You know, screaming is like evil and blah blah blah. And they just they just didn't get it. Like, and I would say like I, like I love my parents; they're fucking great. But like, they're very like worldly naive. So like, yeah. So when I speak to people that are my sort of age and they they talk about like listening to like I don't know like Prince and Bruce Springsteen and stuff like that was just not a thing that happened in my house. Like, yeah, just had like church music and like. The kind of shit church music <laughs> um so they they were they were encouraging in the fact that they were like well you're kind of learning this instrument and you're doing stuff and they were they were incredibly supportive like my dad used to drive us to shows um when we were kids and stuff and like helped me carry my gear around and all of that sort of stuff yeah but my mum's never seen any of my bands really uh, yeah my dad came and saw us once and that ended up in like a massive like bar brawl and he was like yeah <laughs> I'm kind of out I'm not going to come see you again and like so yeah so it was kind of like a weird thing really and now they they kind of don't really get it they're just like why are you still playing in these bands in your in your 40s like why are you not on the radio and on tv and stuff like right yeah yeah, yeah. Why, why are you making this music that no one's gonna fucking like <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah so they were kind of like generally supportive but not massively encouraging because they kind of viewed it as like I don't know going and playing in pubs and stuff they're like well you know you're gonna be exposed to all this like alcohol and drugs and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah yeah 
so yeah they were I think they were more kind of nervous about it than than supportive and now yeah like I said now they just don't really get it they're like they're like oh it's cool that you found this like thing that you love doing but like you're not making any money from it or like (laughs) yeah like I say you're not on the radio you're not this and that and the other so but bless him yeah so where was it where did you go to uni uh Falmouth so that okay that's my link to Cornwall. Yeah, so, so I was. Yeah, everyone thinks I'm Cornish, but I'm not actually Cornish. <laughs> no, because well, you were. So I'm a boy, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm from Bracknell, which yeah. is just outside of Reading. And um, yeah, so I went to uni in Falmouth. And weirdly enough, like, lived like three doors down from Greg and Zach when they oh, were. Big, no when way. They were crocus, yeah. So, like, um, so yeah, that's. That's the court, like the Cornish link, and then I moved to Dorset and lived in Weymouth for quite a long time, um, and that's when we played with Crocus in like their very early, like uh, they were a three piece originally, and yeah, um, yeah realised that they were from Cornwall, realised they were from Falmouth, and uh, yeah, that was the kind of the Cornwall connection basically. Okay, so, um, so yeah, that that then. Because I was doing a label then with my friend Zach um, when we lived in Dorset. Um, and Crocus was the yeah, the first kind of band that wasn't one of our own bands that we put out, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was like really early Crocus, like early days. So because what did you study at uni? Uh graphic design. Oh, okay. So I I really wanted to do photography. Yeah. But I didn't do like GCSE or A level photography, so so I blagged into graphic design, and I literally blagged in. I didn't have the, I didn't do foundation or anything, um, because I yeah after after like so I went to sixth form or college, after that I worked in like, uh, worked in a record shop and just played in my band and just like kind of ambled about for a year, and um, yeah went to Falmouth. It's the only place I applied for. Um, and my friend's girlfriend was like studying graphics. So I just went down with her and just like made friends with all the tutors, like inadvertently and like, <laughs> a bunch of people and just, and then, yeah, went to the interview and they were like, Oh, you're, uh, you're Chloe's mate. And I was like, yeah. Um, and I didn't, yeah, didn't have the the qualifications or anything to get in, but like they obviously thought I was okay. And yeah. Thought I was okay at what I did. So yeah. So I did graphic design, did that for three years and then, Sacked it all off because I, <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. So, but I, then, mean, yeah. I think that's the story of uni life, though, isn't it? Yeah, for well, for a lot of people, I think so. Like for me, it was more about like understanding who I was as a, as a person. Yeah. Rather than and and having like independence and le- learning how to be independent and stuff, um, rather than like learning how to do Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, then so yeah, then after that, I moved to. Um, well, I came back to Bracknell for a bit, and then my parents moved to Cornwall. Right. That's that's again how I'm linked back to Cornwall because, um, yeah, I I went and lived with them for quite a long time. Throughout, yeah, throughout time. They, yeah, they've they've like taken me back in a few times when when life has become difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's what I did at uni, which kind of. I kind of inadvertently am using those skills now with the printing and stuff. yeah, yeah. So, 
Well, because the, the reason I ask is, and you kind of touched upon it then, is like I wanted to ask like, where the sort of photography element of your life sort of came into it. So yeah, is that so... just sort of like a hobby that you... Like, yeah, so like I said, so I went to shows by myself and just just have my camera basically and just like I thought it was really interesting to just like like not necessarily be like a great photographer but just yeah to really be like documenting what I thought was like a really cool like scene like yeah and seeing like some weird like Icelandic band in like a little like church hall in the middle of nowhere like outside of Basingstoke or whatever um, I just thought it was cool so yeah just I always have my camera with me and always took photos and then I met um Joe from um Jets versus Sharks Attack Vipers yeah Mr. Also, Mr Watson we Mr. we address him as um who was also at that time yeah one, like one of my favorite photographers and he kind of yeah he kind of took me in and uh was like oh you're here by yourself i've seen you a few times this is so and so and i kind of yeah got to meet a like a whole new crowd of people which was cool um and then yeah so after uni i, I was still taking photos but i just went and worked in jessup's oh, okay so i had to find a job so so yeah so my parents were like we sold the house we're going to cornwall so you need to find a job and like sort yourself out kind of thing yeah yeah so i just went and worked in jessup's because like i've done retail for like my whole life kind of thing and um yeah so i had a i had a photo lab at my disposal oh that's all right then. So, uh, so i could still shoot film and um yeah just like it's so money wasn't a problem i just basically yeah, yeah. like stole film shot film developed film and then that was that so and it was cool just like yeah work i worked up from being like the shop assistant to being like the lab assistant to be the lab manager and then the shop manager like because I did that for you that's basically what I did between finishing uni and starting printing yeah 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 just worked worked my way up the ranks in Jessup's so um <laughs> and yeah th and throughout that whole time just carried on taking photos of of bands at shows and yeah that that kind of, it, it kind of got to a point though where I just stopped because I I, I don't know if you find this, but like sometimes you kind of want to watch the band. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like I don't really want to be taking photos. I want to be just like in the moment enjoying this band. So now I'm a bit more like snap a few pictures, duck out the way and just like and enjoy the stuff. Like, yeah, I I think I was like that for a little bit. But then like I think definitely pre sort of lockdown, but then as soon as everything kind of came back again I was like because I hadn't done it in like obviously nearly two years yeah I was a bit like oh can I still do this and I think like for me anyway now I've definitely like developed a style which I think I was really like struggling with beforehand it's, def it's definitely noticeable the stuff you do now compared to what you did yeah years ago like without a doubt but yeah and it's I think a that's huge progression. And I think that's the thing. I think that's kind of for me has made it like enjoyable again. Yeah. Whereas before I was getting a bit like frustrated with it and and stuff. But yeah, I think I've kind of like carved out that sort of not niche, but like by by finding something that like I like to look at aesthetically. Yeah. Then it may it makes me want to shoot more and, and more. stuff like that, yeah. which is 
kind of where I'm at with it. So yeah, okay, because obviously, like, I know during lockdown, you kind of like went through a lot of like your old like stuff and things like that. Yeah. Did did that kind of like reignite it a little bit for you? Yeah, I think so because like I definitely got like that nostalgia hit, like going back and looking at all these photos of like, yeah, like bands that people love now and like yeah, looking at photo like Converge, like yeah. seeing Converge in like two thousand and two or two thousand and one on the Jane Doe tour and having photos from that like, like and it's cool because it is like a document of time. And, yeah. Like, we had like a really cool scene in Reading, which I took loads of photos at. And um, then went in Weymouth, we had a, like a pretty good scene there. Um, so yeah, so going back through all of that stuff was just a bit like, ah, oh, fuck, like I do, I do miss doing this. Like, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I, I'm definitely out of practice now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you found this, but like, yeah, getting back into it, I was like, before I knew my equipment so well I yeah knew yeah lighting and everything so well and the, the one great thing that I found as well is like if you keep going and taking photos at the same venues you can put like perfect your settings to fit yeah that yeah so like there's certain venues like there's a place called the orange box in Yeovil that was fucking awful for photos the light <laughs> was terrible but like the more you took photos there the more you kind of understand how how to suit your or like get your style to suit the the environment and the yeah yeah um so yeah so what i found now is it's just like it's a bit more difficult to just like pick it up as i used to yeah yeah and i'm not really used to digital so much yeah last few years so it's a, it's really annoying because like so when i started shooting digital was when i started driving bands right okay so so there was so many good tours that i shot and then like so my studio flooded and i lost loads of negatives oh shit the external hard drive that everything was backed up on just fucking shit itself so i've got like a period between 2010 and 2016 yeah where i was going to loads of shows and loads of sick bands and like obviously when you're driving like you can kind of just go anywhere so like so even in the bigger venues like getting like a good spot at the side of the stage yeah yeah stuff like that and they're all fucking gone they're all, <laughs> they're oh, all man. so like so yeah so there, and there were some like absolutely incredible uh bands that i saw that um yeah don't have those photos anymore so yeah. so yeah that was predominantly all the digital stuff so now i've got like a mixture of like yeah i have like a little point and shoot um and then i have like my digital slr but um but yeah i try i try and just take two things just in case one thing don't work basically (laughs) so but yeah i do i do enjoy it again um but i don't i don't i don't have as much passion for it as i as i used to yeah yeah um which is which is cool seeing your passion and how much because it just reminds me of how I was. So like, yeah, yeah, it's exciting to see how excited you are about it. Yeah, and it's yeah. Exciting to see because I know what shows you're going to. So I'll be like, well, I get because it's it's kind of like a, a a little like view into someone else's world. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, like, yeah, definitely. But there's there, like I said, like when we were first talking about like money and like getting to shows, there's bands that I've missed on tour um, that you've taken photos of, and I've been like. Yeah. 
oh well cool i kind of <laughs> listen to the record and look at your photos <laughs> and I think it's, it's like really cool to document because like again in like 10 years time you'll look back at all of the like the little bands that you'd be taking photos of that are now going to be massive or whatever you know what yeah I mean? yeah like, you never know what's going to happen so like so yeah and I, I just think like photography is just like a, a fascinating little world in itself yeah definitely and I think that's the thing like when I kind of because I I did photography at college and things like that but it was very much more like your portraits and and things like that and then there was basically just a drop-off between like tail end of uni to like when I picked a camera back up again which was maybe like six years ago now yeah. mm -hmm. um and like I'm one of those people that if I'm not good at something right away, then I'll throw my toys out of the pram sort of situation. Yeah. And I think like one of the first like shows I, I went to with a camera on my own, which like in hindsight was probably a, a stupid idea was like the first upsurge. Mm -hmm. And like, there were two other photographers there who were like, had all the equipment to the nines, like external flashes, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then I like looked at my, photos and then saw theirs and I'm like oh shit sort of thing <laughs> but I think like now it's, it is as you say it's I've kind of got that mindset now of more of it, using it as a like a document like make it as a documenting an event rather than it like oh it's got to be the coolest photo sort of, sort yeah. of thing well, that's the thing because like loads of the, my my personal style was really messy yeah did like loads of like long exposures and like strobe stuff and just like stuff that isn't like I don't know I remember people being like well again like you're never going to make it as a photographer if you're just doing photos that look like that because no one's yeah. gonna on them but like that wasn't that wasn't my purpose um but yeah just certainly like looking at other people's like um Joe and other photographers that were doing stuff uh, at that time I was just like, well, yeah, same. I haven't got like all this crazy equipment. I've got like some some battered camera that's held together <laughs> yeah. with tape and like, but that that's just yeah. You learn you learn to work with the tools that you have, and like, yeah, for me it was more more the documenting of the of that snapshot in time. Like, um, and also I found interesting like having photos of the crowd as well. Yeah, it's really interesting seeing like what people are wearing and like um yeah or even just like who's at the shows and stuff like so yeah it's like like I said like Screamo isn't cool anymore but like all the people that say that Screamo isn't cool I've got photos of them loving Screamo at the Screamo <laughs> shows, like, like 20 years ago so like so yeah you can't that's the thing it just it, it's just like a, a perfect like snapshot of that that period of time so, yeah yeah and I think it will always progress with that so like so yeah, it's uh, style for me isn't really like the be all and end all. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, I think yeah, it's yeah, it's it's more important to just like show what's going on, and like, and it's cool. Like people, like people are now like doing like photo books. Um, we stayed with a dude in uh, Brighton. He's gonna be yeah doing a photo book. That's all, cool. All his stuff is cool. So like, yeah, it's definitely like. 
nostalgic as fuck looking back at all the stuff sorry just literally reverting back to your original question yeah <laughs> looking at all of that old stuff was definitely just like uh fuck and it did it made me miss going to shows as well like yeah because obviously there was that period where there was no fucking shows yeah yeah um, so yeah and then being able to go back and see bands was just like that the initial excitement that you had when you're like 15 and you're going to your first like first hardcore show or yeah whatever. yeah like um yeah to have that kind of like excitement again was fucking cool yeah and so, yeah, so I'll, I'll still take my camera now yeah you'll still see me and i just want to like briefly touch upon because i think i could talk to you for fucking hours about various different things but you <laughs> Obviously, like, you have to tell me to shut up because I, I tend to ramble quite a lot. Mate, so. that's what this is all <laughs> fucking about. It's all good. But obviously, like you say, like, you used to like drive bands around. And mm-hmm. I, I want to see if you can remember this and what happened. But because it's still something that sticks in my mind vividly. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Punch, Loma, Birds and Row. Yeah. Brighton. Yeah. Can you remember what happened? No. Oh, so it was before... It was, it was a sticky mic. Yeah. I remember that. Burton Row had their old bassist. I can't remember their name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ditto? 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 Maybe. I, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. You were stood... So, look, I'm in the audience looking at the stage. Yeah. You're stood on the left, sort of side stage. Yeah. He's on the right, with the bass amp and everything. Yeah. I think I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? Did he just like essentially just pass out while he was playing? Yeah, and chundered fucking everywhere. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he did that in uh, in Manchester as well. Um, yeah, I don't really remember like any reason why, but like, yeah, he, he was definitely fairly poorly on that tour. <laughs> yeah, but I just remember looking at you and you were like, uh, uh like very like i don't know what to do right yeah now. like because that's the thing because like a lot of the time you're like a symbol will fall over so you can run on and pick that up yeah yeah if someone's like collapse you're like well what the fuck like because the band everyone was just still playing like, yeah, I yeah, yeah anyone at that point had noticed i think maybe megan from punch was just like oh shit what the fuck uh so she jumped jumped up and uh, tried to sort it, but yeah, that I do, I do remember that actually. Yeah, because yeah. I, I just because I think we like, I think we maybe hung out like a couple of times at that point, but we weren't like as close as we are now, sort of thing. And uh-huh. I just remember like kind of looking at you, and then you just literally like fully shrugging, like there's nothing I can do right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not good with like blood or vomit. <laughs> so, so it's like, your worst scenario then yeah so yeah and i yeah i'm not i'm not that i'm not the person that you want in that situation you want <laughs> someone that's just like really clear-headed and like yeah i mean i'm i'm sure that they were fine afterwards yeah yeah i can remember correctly but yeah i think maybe on the i think they were just generally just fucking exhausted yeah and i don't know birds and Road were always and still are just like that crazy band that just fucking played like so many shows and toured like loads, just like yeah, yeah. fairly relentless and like never played a show where they kind of did it half assed. They yeah. were just like give it like 110%. So I think, yeah, he was probably just 
just fairly fucked. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that that tour was actually quite relentless with some of the drives. Some of the drives were pretty stupid. If, if I remember correctly, that yeah, there were some that were just like, it was just booked really badly. Yeah. Actually, you know, maybe that was the punch. So I did a, another punch one. Um, was that the negative approach one? Yeah, I think that was the weird one. Sorry. So I think yeah. the first punch one, well, that was kind of weird because I, I, I only drove half a punch and then Loma and Birds and Row. So obviously half of Loma were in punch at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So they were in one van and then I was in my little van. Um, and it worked out really well because, um, to, yeah, talk about influential people. But uh, yeah, so Dan, the guitarist from Punch, Dan Africa. So I picked him up first and we just, I'd never met him before. Like, so like I'm kind of awkward and I, yeah, like I bumble around my conversations and stuff. Um, and I said to him, oh, so, so what do you do? And he was like, oh, I'm a screen printer. And I was like, fuck fuck me too, me too. <laughs> so basically for that whole tour me and dan just sat in the front talking about like fucking emulsion and ink and exposure <laughs> times and everyone was just like you guys suck this is so, <laughs> this is so boring but like but yeah that dan basically like that meeting him was hugely pivotal in where i am now yeah because like he was basically like leap years ahead of me in his like printing experience and stuff and uh i ended up yeah buying loads of his equipment oh, okay going over there and printing with him and he taught me loads of stuff and basically i i kind of modeled vino around his print shop oh sick in germany so like so yeah so that was a very like amazing like chance meeting um and yeah, still to, I speak to him regularly now, just about printing and yeah. He's also like a massive screamo nerd as well. So like, he'll be like, "Dude, do you remember this band from like '97?" I'd be like, "Did they do a split with this band?" He's like, "That's the one." I'm like, <laughs> like super excited, but like, but yeah. So that that first punch tour was amazing. Um, the negative approach one was kind of weird because it was like bigger, bigger venues. And like yeah. shows and just like yeah, it 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 didn't have that same like DIY feel as the first one did. Yeah. That that to this day was the that's the best tour that I've ever driven for sure. What that the negative fun. approach one? Uh, the oh the first one. Punch Loma Birds Yeah. Loma. That was fucking cool. So like so yeah, um I forgot what I was saying now. No, sorry. But the I think that's a good way to segue into Vino, but just one final thing on that Brighton show. Mm. This you probably will not remember because I can't remember if at this point you'd met my brother before or not, but he obviously like he came to the show with me, mm-hmm. got very drunk and mm-hmm. was literally mind was blown because as you say at the time, like Punch and Loma were sharing members. Yeah. And I, I can't remember his name, but the drummer obviously did back-to-back sets. Yeah. And they're not, easy sets for a drummer <laughs> they are not and my brother's mind was just completely blown and he said he went up to to him afterwards and was just like how the fuck did you do that sort of thing yeah. and i remember vividly saying goodbye to you and him saying to you how the fuck did he do that and then <laughs> leaving so yeah so i don't i don't remember like properly meeting your brother but i don't think even before that to be honest mm. 
I think I might have met him, but didn't realize he was your brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I'm just trying to think because it would have been like either like a a Portsmouth show or a Southampton show, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, the 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 punch and Loma like shared members thing was always just like crazy because like, yeah, to do one set and then just be like, cool. And then just do another one. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, it, yeah, even like, and that's why it was a good tour because just sit, yeah, getting to see that every day and like, yeah, there was there was like a genuine excitement around punch at that. Yeah, yeah. Of time, so like, everyone was fucking pumped, and all the shows always just like kicked off and just like, but it was like they were like a super posy band. Yeah. So like, so yeah, it was always just like a really great time. And yeah, like a really safe, even though it was like full carnage, it was always like, <laughs> yeah. people were very mindful of. And, it, and that's the weird thing that like I liked about hardcore is the fact that like when you're at a metal show, if you fall on the floor, people are just going to fucking stand on you. Yeah, yeah. But the, yeah, hardcore show, if you fell down, you got picked <clears throat> up and like, so yeah, I definitely like gravitated towards and I'm I'm fucking small. So like. I just get chucked about if I go down the front. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it's um yeah, if I fall over, like like I fell over during Warthog, I think I like actually like Oh yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. Like, elbow quite badly. Um so yeah, and that took me like three or four weeks to recover. Because <laughs> like, I think like someone just like picked me up and then just like chucked me away like a like a plastic <laughs> point just over the shoulder. But but yeah, there you go. But yeah, obviously you you said that obviously Dan was a big influence in you in terms of like getting Fino to sort of like where it is now sort of thing. But in terms of like you starting it and obviously like it originating in your bedroom to mm -hmm. then sort of developing it to to where you had obviously the the little shack in in Cornwall to mm -hmm. where it is now that it's this like fully functioning business. Like where I guess firstly, where did the idea come from? And like, how I don't because I know you've said it's all been very natural, but like, when did you kind of start to see like the progressive curve like happening? Um, so originally, so I moved to Norwich, um, to be a tattooist and to oh, learn... sick, I didn't know that, yeah. Um, and I didn't like, I enjoyed tattooing and like, I enjoyed all of that stuff, but I just I'm, I'm too awkward, I can't fucking do you know what I mean? Like, I can't sustain like. A conversation with a stranger that's yeah 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 too much for me so like um and uh yeah my ex uh was printing some stuff at the time for some like other bands and was really busy tattooing herself so she said can you you did printing at uni can you just fucking print these shirts so i did it and i was like oh this is kind of sick i enjoy doing this yeah like um and I, yeah, so I had, had the label. Um, so I was like, do you know what? I'm going to sack off tattooing and I'm just going to print for like my mates and like bands that I'm putting records out for. Um, and that's kind of how it started. And like, the, I think the, the fortunate thing is because like, because I've just been around for so long, like, um, like, I guess people just know who I am. Like, yeah. Not in like some fucking weird egotistical like it's it's me like oh, no but, no not at all it's just like they know the brand well just through doing like 
loads of fucking bands, labels, putting on shows, like driving bands, like booking tours, like all of the stuff that I've been involved with was inadvertently laying some foundation for like a business. Yeah, yeah. So like, so yeah, so when it came to like actually, because I thought, I oh, you know, like I'll print for a few years while all my mates are in bands and when they stop being in bands, then I just, I'll reevaluate what I want to do kind of thing. And it just kind of just kept on growing and growing. So like, I think the the main pivotal, the pivotal moments were like, I guess printing for like some bigger bands. Yeah. So like, I remember printing all the Rolo Tomasi stuff when, when they were like, like in their first, because they've had like a, a kind of weird topsy turvy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but at their, at their first peak, because they're at another peak now, which is sick. But like, yeah, so I I played shows with them and known them for years. So I printed their stuff, and I think loads of people saw that and were like, those people that I didn't know saw that, and so I got lots of like print jobs out of that. Um, and then yeah, meeting Dan was huge because that kind of gave me a bit more experience and knowledge and stuff like that. Um, and then really just like working fucking hard, yeah, just, like not really having a life. <laughs> just like constantly working and churning stuff out and like just saying yes to everything when you shouldn't say yes to everything. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, working like these crazy hours and stuff like that um, was all just setting, set again, setting it up. And then I met Sam, who's my business partner now, um, through like some weird inadvertent like universe just like coming together. So like, Sam was printing in this big commercial print shop and um, wanted to get out and start his own thing. Alex, who I was working with, became a tattooist and left. So it was just me by myself again. Yeah. And so, and I met Sam and yeah, got his number. And then I remember phoning him and being like, do you want to, I mean, do you want to come and work with me? Like I need someone. And he was like, well, I'm actually going to be looking at a, premise for my own business like this week so and then he came on the tuesday the, his meeting was on thursday he came on a tuesday and was like yeah this is fucking sick so we started working together and then like, literally within maybe two months three months i was like do you just want to have like half the business and like let's do this together because yeah. like um because he's so experienced with like other stuff that i'm not experienced at okay so, so the two of us together made like a really fucking good team. And he basically said that if we can get Max um, out of where they were working within a year, then he'll come and work with me and like, and we'll do it. So, um, so yeah, so Sam came and worked with me. And so that was the first time in, by that point, it was nine years, I think, just coming up to 10 years. Um that's the first time that it was two full-time people before yeah. that it, it was just me doing crazy hours. And then I've, I mean, I've roped in so many fucking dear friends to yeah, like yeah, yeah. fold shirts or to stack stuff or to like heat press stuff. Like the list of people that have helped me out is fucking endless. Um, but yeah, so being able to do stuff with two people full time just changed everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, his experience and his knowledge changed everything. Um, so they're yeah they're the, the kind of main things that kind of like stepped it up in all the in all the the kind of like 
the, the growth that it's had, really. Yeah. Um, so how many years have you been doing it now, then? So I started in 2010. Oh, fucking hell. Um, yeah, that was... That was <laughs> so, yeah, so I started in my bedroom in 2010. Um, then I worked in my mum's shed. Then I moved into, like, this room, that, like, adjacent to the morgue, which was yeah. pretty, pretty sketchy. Um, <laughs> And then um, then moved into a barn. This was all in Cornwall. And then, yeah, moved back to Norwich. Um, some, yeah, some weird life shit happened. And then I stayed in Norwich. And um, then, it, yeah, met Sam and then it all took off. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember, like, because obviously I came out and visited you in the barn a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, as you say, like, Roping friends and I remember like you had Max Weeks there like when yeah. one of the times I visited and stuff yeah and then obviously like when you moved back to Norwich I thought I can't remember if we'd spoken about it but I remember you like maybe posted something that you were looking to like go a bit more like quote-unquote professional sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah and then, like, next thing I saw you posted up this, this photo of this fucking warehouse and all this fucking shit and I was like oh my boy's gone like legit sort of thing yeah well i think it like it kind of eventually had to happen because there's only so long you can run a business like like the way i ran it you know what i mean yeah i i mean i am not a businessman i know fuck all about business <laughs> like, i'm good at printing and i like yeah i'm fortunate enough to have like met a bunch of lovely people and through that i've met more lovely people um and that kind of web grows, but but yeah, like I think the Norwich move just made me, well, it's kind of forced me to do it, really. Yeah. And then yeah, meeting Sam, and yeah, keeping 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 him like on side because obviously he wanted to go and start his own print business. Yeah. Like, and I didn't want him to just like, yeah, come and come and work with me and not do what he wanted. So like, so a lot of the stuff now is is his input like um and it's really funny because he's like he's so private like yeah very very rarely will he like appear in any photos or anything like that but like he's he's so like monumental in in fino like that no one will ever <laughs> ever really know <laughs> because he's never really about so like so that's the weird thing because vino is essentially just my face so like yeah, yeah. Vino Instagram is my personal Instagram, even yeah. though it's the print one. And I've tried I've tried or thought about separating it many times, but like I kind of just can't be fucked. <laughs> like so really just like, yeah, if if you know me, then you know that I print basically. Yeah. I do like um and that's what I'll continue <laughs> continue to do until I can't do it anymore, basically. But like from like an outsider perspective and like being like a friend of yours as well like i've known like how much like effort and like blood sweat and tears you've put into this mm. and like i think because as you say like using like the vino instagram as your personal instagram like we've had conversations like years ago where like we've spoken about stuff and you've been like oh I'm working like excellent and I'm like dude fucking take a day off and <laughs> yeah. but like now it's nice to see like you and Maddie like going on holiday and things like yeah. that and it's just like 
thank you like yeah. i'm like vicariously i'm so happy for you yeah well this is it so like she yeah she's like also obviously very pivotal to everything that's happened because yeah meeting her and her being so understanding of like me printing all hours or whatever like she's so fucking cool about it but then like i really wanted to spend time with her so like it was like a no-brainer to be like well i've got a business partner like I've met this incredible lady, like, I'm gonna just take some time off. <laughs> yeah. The thing was, before before that, I'd take time off and I'd go on tour. Yeah, yeah. Which is still kind of involved with printing and stuff like that, because inadvertently you start talking about, someone will ask you about t-shirts or whatever, you know? So like, so it was, n the, the hardest thing about running your own business is switching off. Yeah, yeah so difficult and like that's the thing that I struggle with mentally now is just like people expect you to be like switched on like literally the whole fucking time like yeah yeah people will message me at like three in the morning and asking for quotes and stuff um so um, I now have to be like fairly and I don't like doing it because it's like I just want to be kind of like nice to everyone and help everyone out but like I have to be fairly rigid in the fact that it's like these are my work hours yeah and, like unless we're like good fucking friends i'm not going to be messaging you like like someone's messaged me on christmas day and asked for a quote before no like, that's, way that's how like i was literally sat at the fucking like dinner table just like oh the email comes in i'm like oh my god so like <laughs> um so yeah i think like that the hardest thing is like switching off just generally but like yeah having having maddie and the dogs and like a life outside of printing and music and stuff like that like as much as I fucking love it like for my general like physical and mental like well-being like yeah um it, yeah it, it was it got to a point where it, yeah it could it could have all gone very horribly wrong because like <laughs> yeah. I was at like full breaking point like yeah physically and mentally like yeah um so yeah, so when I say like I'm I'm fucking lucky and I'm privileged to do what I do, like I mean that so sincerely because Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, it it's been a crazy journey like to get where I am now. Um, and that's the thing like I kind of said it like in jest when I saw you at Static Shock, but like I I mean this with like all sincerity, like there's no one in the world that deserves it more than you, like you've honestly you've done like as you said like from being in bands tour like driving bands from putting on shows from doing record labels and things like that like mm -hmm. you've been you've contributed so much to the scene and like obviously you're now like i like i do it as kind of like a jokey thing of like whenever i see like a vino box at a show i will always send it to you it probably pisses you off <laughs> Yeah, no, please keep doing it. Because that's the thing, because like, because I love, it sounds really cheesy, but because I love punk and music and all of the stuff that comes with it, like, I still get that same buzz. So like, yeah. when you send me those photos, I'm it, I'm so stoked, you know, like, um, and like, yeah, going to shows, like, yeah, going to Static Shock and seeing people wearing shirts that you've printed and stuff. Yeah. Like, just all of that stuff is just like, it's it's really like it makes all this shit worthwhile do you know what i mean yeah like, um and yeah like it it is 
it is like just a i don't know it's all i know how to do like yeah it's ever done like so our shitty nirvana band we put like we put our first show on like in that like crappy church room we yeah. Yeah, we're like 15 do you know what i mean so like so that's yeah so it's it's a long time to be doing stuff so, so I, I don't know what i would do if i weren't doing all of this yeah 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 like and it's the amount of like people like yourself and like other people that i've met throughout the years that i'm still friends with um and you just have this like amazing like network and community and like just yeah people that you can fall back on if you need anything or just like yeah it's 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 literally like become what my life is do you know what yeah, I mean? yeah 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 there's when my mum says like oh what like what are you doing going on tour blah, blah blah I'm like well this is this is this is all I know how to do like and I and I fucking love it and I still love it like um and yeah I'm definitely getting older but like <laughs> yes like I said if I went and saw Converge at Damnation I'm going to be straight down the front like as soon as that starts like yeah I, yeah I would still be there like um so yeah, as as long as I'm still standing, I'm still going to be going to shows and like, <laughs> yeah. doing all of that stuff because yeah, like I have other interests, but like all of this stuff ties in together with just like my actual passion. Yeah, which is yeah. why I'm because like not many people get to say that they've like spent their life doing doing shit that they enjoy and like dealing with people, like dealing with like fucking nice people and yeah, yeah, stuff, you know. So like yeah i can't uh yeah i can't i'm so grateful for everyone that's like over the years put their trust in me for whatever reason for whatever i've been doing or like bought a record or come and seen our band or any of the shit that that vino has done you know like it's it's kind of like mind-boggling that it's got to to the level that it's got to like you said it's like a like an actual legit business yeah yeah it's kind of comedy but like <laughs> But it is so like yeah we've there's five of us now so it's not just me and sam so like so in since sam joined three years ago we we've just taken on yeah three other people yeah so um so yeah so it's it is really interesting just like 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 i said earlier like i'm not a businessman but i'm having to learn about business stuff because like I have all these responsibilities and this is what my instagram posts like i was so fucking scared about putting that post out not yeah. just because of like oh, we've got to raise our prices, but just, like, um, putting yourself out there and just trying to be as honest as you can about stuff. Like, Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not just me. Because a lot of the time when I did Vino in Cornwall, like, I lived in a van. I had no outgoings. Like, yeah, yeah. So I, it was, everything was fine. But now, like, so obviously you have, like, the, the building and the electricity, but, like, Max and Callum and... Uh, Tom and and Sam like we've all got wages yeah. that we need to get because we've got to pay the rent or mortgages and stuff like that do you know what I mean so like so I am now resp directly responsible for people's <laughs> yeah, people's yeah. Lives, which completely changes it because then then I can't just be like boys I'm going on tour for three months I'll see you later do you know what yeah, I mean like, yeah. I mean I'm sure it'd be different if like yeah if something crazy came up like yeah, if I mean, if Zayo said, "Mikey, does your band want to come on tour <laughs> forever?" Then I'd be like, "Yes, of course." But like, but you know what I mean. So like, I have yeah, I have definitely have to restructure my stuff 
and I don't I don't want to just be doing printing all the time I want to be hanging out with with Maddie and because we've got our own little life that we have yeah, yeah. which is outside of printing and music like and yeah she's incredibly supportive uh which has been a fucking blessing um but yeah I definitely uh I've definitely learned how to uh yeah take some time yeah <laughs> yeah time for myself I guess and just like before I sort of segue back into like the music side of things, mm. the last thing I want to kind of touch upon with Z- uh, with Vino, what's been like the, I guess, not not the weirdest, but maybe like, or I don't know, you, you could take this how you want, but like the maybe like quote unquote biggest artist or like the strangest person that you've worked with that's been like, oh shit, like they've come to me to print their stuff and like, I, I don't know, maybe to kind of like realise like you are the go-to people now. There's, I mean, there's been loads throughout the years because it's, it's, for me, it's like, it's still sick to print for bands that I actually listen to. Mm. So like, yeah, printing like Battle of Wolf stuff back in the day, that was just like, fucking hell, like, this is sick. Like, yeah, yeah. I love this band and I'm printing this merch. But then, I don't know, there's been loads throughout the years where I was, there's been times where I've been like, how the fuck have you how do you know of us yeah like, yeah um but yeah we did some stuff like for hot water music that was pretty wild because i remember getting the email and being like is this some kind of fucking <laughs> joke like what is this but i don't know like there's loads of stuff that's just like really surprising like we did some stuff for like sam fender oh uh, wow because a friend of a friend of mine did some artwork so i think we got like the kind of recommendation or yeah yeah through that but that's it like that's that's all it is it's just like um my friend works for um like the buying department at this like film uh like dvd place uh like a film distribution thing so we ended up printing like the official shirts for you know that um that film the ring oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you know what i mean like stuff like that like that's pretty wild just like a non-musical thing but just yeah. like but yeah so like yeah then going into like hmv and like seeing the sh- seeing your like shirts that you've printed like there that was a bit like jesus like <laughs> yeah uh but yeah say so i haven't emailed me yet so uh... <laughs> <laughs> um but no there's there's been loads um throughout the years um and yeah like i say i think the, the best ones are the ones for bands that i actually like really like and listen yeah. to so um but yeah hot war music was definitely the first like bigger band that were just like pretty crazy but like i guess stuff like um the wire like um like even my dad was like oh i've heard of them like yeah um so yeah and again fuck knows how like we've been printing their stuff for quite a few years now yeah fuck knows how they found like this is the thing because we don't advertise we don't do anything like we're just just an entity that yeah yeah so um so i guess it's just like word of mouth and like you do i don't know so like um fuck what's that band with a really long name uh the world is a beautiful place oh yeah yeah um so i printed some stuff for them and um that was cool because because i used to really listen to them a lot but i had to meet them like halfway around the country because they'd like flown in um and it was it was when it was like the the beast of the east or whatever that oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah um 
So I drove to like Milton Keynes service station with all of their merch in the back of my stupid, like lowered car <laughs> in the snow. <laughs> oh, and, uh, yeah. Met them there and they were stoked. But then they told all of their friends, like in like loads of American bands, like, oh yeah, this, this fucking crazy dude, Mikey just like tr- traveled across the country in this stupid car to deliver the merch. So it's stuff like that, like, which is just a stupid story, but like, they obviously told other people and then then we got other jobs yeah yeah through that because people were just like oh you're that crazy that crazy (laughs) dude or whatever (laughs) but yeah like i think yeah there's there's been certain certain things throughout the years that have been like whoa yeah but yeah that's that's certainly one of them and before i kind of like do let you go and stuff I feel like we've spent a lot of this time not talking about music, which has been fucking I know this lovely, is, but we're just having a little chit chat, aren't we? I know it's it's been lush, but like <laughs> I did want to obviously talk about. Well, I'll spend a little time at the end about like bands you're doing at the moment, mm-hmm. but I wanted to obviously talk about like the Ravishols slash Crows and Ra years because mm-hmm. I think that's like when I probably saw you the most. We were sort of like hanging out, and and I guess to an extent, box kite as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. but like for for you, like I don't know, was that kind of like peak kind of your musical journey? I guess like in terms of like playing shows, touring, and things like that. And because I think like Ravishol specifically, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is just me looking like being an outsider looking in. Mm-hmm. but had like the potential to to kind of like not be huge but like definitely ha- it had a following within like the screamo yeah. scene yeah so i don't know did you kind of see it that way as well or were you so, just there to to enjoy the, well the time originally of it? like so that it, it all comes from like the the crocus years so like yeah so i met crocus and all the other cornwall lot which was so yeah, so Porter was in Casa, yeah, which was um, with Max and Tom from Narwhals, yeah, um, and so yeah, Porter was at like the little baby screamo kid, and Greg and the rest of Crocus were just like the other screamo kids from Cornwall. So when they said they wanted to do a band, I was like pretty fucking stoked because like I'd known them for years and years and years, and like put out various records for them and like been on tour with them and stuff like that so the Ravishol thing was just like an a, almost like a no-brainer yeah uh, and it, I guess it picked up some pretty good momentum like because we did we did do a lot of shows in the end um and I think you can only you can only get I'm doing no one can see what I'm doing <laughs> um yeah in an in inverted uh he's like you can't really get bigger unless you put in the hard work and do, yeah do the shows unless you just bring out some absolute masterpiece record. So I think we were fairly prolific with what we were doing. And we, like uh, another person going back to the print thing that has been pivotal is um, Darren from uh, Dog Nights. Yeah. So he he put us on a bunch of times with, again, with like slightly bigger bands that were on tour. So we played with like Sweet Loon and Touche and stuff like that. So like, I guess we got a bit more exposure through doing that. And I think it was at that time where like there wasn't really any bands doing that kind of like 
ultra jangly kind of like pop screamo yeah which i think is what greg excels at doing so like so yeah so that that was like a a really cool time because we did like loads of euro tours and just like yeah it was it would be interesting to see where that went obviously like it went south because me and emma broke up but like um if yeah if we if the band had carried on i don't know because the last stuff that we were writing was definitely well it kind of just organically went into crows and raw yeah so like and then crows and raw is definitely the thing that i'm most proud of yeah out of like all of the bands that i've done i think like um and and this yeah the constellation stuff is also up there as well but um but yeah the the crows and raw when that so the first 10 inch is kind of like the bridge between rabbishol and the kind of the crows sound yeah greg was just like finding his feet with all these literally finding his feet with all fucking (laughs) and stuff um so yeah, it was kind of like it was a bummer that Ravishol ended because that yeah it did have potential because it was so poppy to kind of like take it up a notch and stuff. Yeah, and like personal differences aside, like playing the shows and stuff were always really good, and the songs were really good. Yeah, but yeah, so Crows when the twelve inch came out, because um, we recorded that properly, like never really recorded anything properly before um so we went and recorded with lewis in southampton yeah um so it instantly sounded 10 times better than anything we'd ever done and um and then yeah that we just played loads of shows on the back of that and like that got released by a whole bunch of cool labels and stuff um and yeah we had the opportunity to tour with a bunch of really cool bands um and then as that was kind of winding down it's kind of like if if crows had come sooner then it would have been a bit different but like we all kind of just got a little bit older yeah uh, kind of essentially real life kind of got in the way of it all so like the last few crows tours were more about like where can we stop to swim rather than we've got to hit up this city because we played a really good show there a year ago or whatever yeah yeah so the touring was like way less sort of uh tactical of like how to sort of progress as a band and more just like let's go and tour of a band with people that we fucking love and want to watch them play every night and find cool swimming spots yeah yeah um but yeah so i i think like that whole those whole two bands was definitely like uh the stuff that i'm most proud of i guess yeah um musically and it was definitely like um yeah concreted my kind of uh love of diy mm. uh, and the community and stuff because yeah going going and touring in europe back then was fucking cool like um obviously it's all fucked now and it's it's going to be weird and different but like yeah like back then it was like a real eye-opener and just meeting like people from different countries and playing like radical places um and yeah just it was a real eye-opener like mm. playing in countries that i never thought we'd ever play in do you know what i mean so like so yeah that was that was that was a fucking cool cool period of time yeah your question. <laughs> and the thing that i just w- wanted to pick up on specifically with crows and Ra as well was like the like the visuals that you had for like the the artwork like from the 10 inch to the 12 inch like they kind of oh, there you go, directly behind yeah, you. That's the OG paintings. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. 
but that's what I was going to say. So, like, obviously there's a connection between the two, but was that kind of, like, a conscious decision, like, when you were kind of putting it together, or was it just yeah. sort of something that kind of bled into each other? No, because I think the whole thing was, like, I don't know if it's just generally speaking, but, like, with certain genres of music, there's, like, always constraints and rules. So yeah. Like, if you're, like, a fucking mosh band, then you've got to have, like, the two-step bit, then you got to have the breakdown. Yeah, yeah. Like, it always... And, like... And that's not a slight on anyone or any genre. Like, that's generally the way. And it's the same with, with Screamo. So, like, Greg having no distortion in Ravishol was started off as a bit of a joke. And then he was like, actually, this is cool. So then when he started using all those pedals, he was like, I just want it to be fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. Really spacey. Because Greg... Uh, so if you spoke to Greg about his musical journey he was well into like trance and, oh, like, and dance music and felt the same euphoria with punk as he did with that yeah Crows I think was him kind of like playing back into that and and just basically like being because I remember I remember like having band practice and and uh, we're like can we can we do that? Is that allowed? Like, <laughs> fucking weird. Like, um, and then just being like, well, there are no rules. There should there shouldn't be rules. If we want to do it, then like, and that's what we want to do, then we'll just fucking do it. And if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, then fuck them. Like, yeah, yeah. But when it came to like the artwork and stuff like that, like, we wanted something that kind of visually went hand in hand with the weird sounds that Greg was coming up with. Yeah. And we literally found that dude, that Justin dude, just on the internet by chance and hit him up. And then he did, uh, well, he did all three. So he did the 10 inch, the 12 inch and the seven inch. Yeah. Um, so, and we all, we wanted it to like all kind of visually be the same thing. So like all of the kind of fonts and stuff that I used when I sort of did all the layouts, they were all the same. Um, so yeah, so it kind of, I don't know just wanted it to be different i think like greg was definitely listening to like mars volta a lot and stuff like that yeah and like yeah just like so it was like it was screamo but it wasn't screamo there were it wasn't like the records came in like like ravishol came in like pillowcases with screen prints and like bits of twine and string yeah. it was like full screamo yeah, yeah yeah this was just like we're just going to do whatever the fuck we want to do. And like the last seven inch, like that was just fucking weird. Like we were like, we literally recorded a kettle, like, <laughs> uh, like, and just like loads of dumb shit. And like, cause I remember at that point, Porter was driving bands and he came back. I, can't, I think he was driving jackals and he came back and we'd, we'd finished the recording of the stuff and he was coming back to do his vocals. And we were all just really drunk and we're just like, we just fucking recorded a kettle and he was just like, what, what are you doing? Like, what is this? But, um, but yeah, so I think like it was just de a, definitely a decision to not play by any rules or have any constraints. And if we wanted to do it, then we just fucking did it. Yeah. Yeah. Com complete side note, just mm. because you said about um, recording a kettle. Mm -hmm. Have you seen what um, Algon and Cowboy have, have been doing on their reunion shows? have oh has he got he's got there's i've seen some dude like smashing the bongos oh no they they've mic'd up a coffee pot ah. and but no explanation as to why it's, they've uh, just got a coffee pot on stage and it's just mic'd up 
That's, I mean, seems fairly pointless, but I back it because <laughs> why not? But this is the thing, like, to keep stuff interesting, you just got to do do what you want to do. Yeah. And in our defence, the sorry, poor, but in our defence, the the kettle builds up perfectly in the the section with the build up. <laughs> it's it's intentional it's got a purpose and it has got a purpose so like um but yeah i don't know about just recording like well miking up a what is it was it literally just like a like a coffee pot? yeah Damn, i'm gonna have to research that that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna stress me out and i'm gonna need to know why they're doing that <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to put that stress on you fine. that's fine but um so yeah if we kind of like just round off with obviously what where you're at at the moment so yeah we haven't spoken about your record labels at all but, I know. <laughs> which i feel bad about but we we can do that another time we'll yes. I'll, we'll do another time but yeah. obviously at the moment sort of musically constellation is obviously the the active band and obviously you've just done the the little tour with julian's band who i can never pronounce the name yeah, of yeah. so i'm not going to try oh, that's um but like with Constellation, obviously, like it's quite different from from the music that I'm used to seeing you you play, um, and obviously it's with people that obviously like you've known them for for quite a while and stuff. But again, like I don't necessarily associate you with. Yeah. So how has that kind of experience been to like do something that's maybe a bit out of your wheelhouse? So. It- it's basically the best thing ever. So like, <laughs> so, so T and Sam were obviously in Jackals mm-hmm. and I met them obviously when I moved to Norwich. Yeah. Um, and Sam is like a screamo dork as well. So, but it's cause he would, so Jackals were like this kind of crusty DB band, but Sam always had like a page 99 back. back yeah. Back. Yeah. Um, so we always got on really, really well. And, I always liked the way that he played guitar. Yeah. Um, and then obviously T is just a incredibly great drummer. Um, and then Sean, weirdly enough, put on the first time I met Sean was um he put on the punch Loma Birds and Rose show in Kingston. Oh fuck, okay. Literally, I don't even know if he was 18 by that point. He was yeah. like an actual child. Um, <laughs> and so when I can't remember how it happened, but I'm pretty sure they just said, do you want to play bass in this band? And I I, I remember just saying, yeah, fine. Like, no, didn't even know what band it was, what music <laughs> it was, um, just because I really wanted to be in a band with with them and yeah. friends and people. So when, when I turned up and, because also bass is like out of my comfort zone, I'm like, I'm getting better at it now, but like, so yeah, I'm I'm as we said, like started as a guitarist, became a drummer. Like yeah. I, can, I can do basic bass, but like it's never been like the thing that I've I've done. Yeah. And the music I really like because it's the noisier end of, of the hardcore spectrum. Yeah. It's like and again, Sam's just I I think a phenomenally good guitarist and songwriter. Yeah. So like um anything for me, anything that's like really fast and drenched in feedback that's that's a that's gets a, a big like high five from me yeah yeah 
so yeah so originally it just started as that they just said you want to be in a band and i said yeah 100 percent. and like because we all live in so sam's in london me and t are in norwich and sean's in sheffield so it's like the most relaxed thing ever like yeah yeah like before i can't remember how long we've been a band or whether covid was in the middle of it time's fucked up these days right um <laughs> Well, because I think the first time that I saw you was when you did the Punch on Avero show in Bristol, and that was before COVID. Okay, so yeah, so we did did that record or that EP, um, and we would just literally do like a practice every two or three months, if that. Yeah. And practice kind of was we'd all meet up in London, same as the Crows and Rafting. We'd we'd meet up in London and then be like where are we going for dinner? <laughs> Not like, let's practice. It was like, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go get dinner and then we'll practice afterwards. So it's just like, it's like a really chill, chill band to be in. Um, and they're all super lovely. And I, and I love the music. So like the new record that we've done. Um, yeah, I'm really stoked on that. Yeah. Because I think Atco's nailed the recording. It's, it sounds fucking cool. Like, and I think we've all kind of grown in confidence in what we're doing. Mm. Especially it's yeah, especially me playing bass and um yeah, Sean's vocals on the new new record are crazy. Like I remember when we were recording because like because most of the songs we wrote and like Sean hadn't done the vocals for. Right, okay. So infrequently. So when we did the recording, like we didn't know what he was gonna do with, with the vocals. Yeah. And um that song Theft Two, when he's just he's when he started singing that, like everyone just stopped what they were doing and were just like, "What?" The fuck? <laughs> um, and then yeah, he came back in, and the three of us were just like huge smiles on our face, just like yeah, wouldn't have expected in a million years that uh, he was going to do do what he did. Yeah, and that and it's super super lovely to see because like yeah, just seeing the kind of confidence build and grow and then like when we do the shows um feeling more comfortable with what we're doing because we're not we're not well rehearsed or, <laughs> or anything like that so um so yeah especially like the last three shows of that tour yeah the recent one with julian's band uh that we can't pronounce <laughs> um yeah the last three shows were really enjoyable because we kind of yeah hit a fairly good stride yeah. i mean it's it's amazing because t and sam have played in bands or pl well, played in jackals um for years so yeah. like um sam will say oh um i'm thinking of this and then t just instinctively knows like yeah she literally just does it <laughs> like yeah oh, yeah okay there's the song and then i just rumble along along in the background um and then yeah, Sean does his thing on the top. So so yeah, so as far as being in a band concerned, it's like the actual like uh the the participation of it is fucking cool because it's yeah, so, yeah. Um where which fits in with all of our, our lives because we're all super busy, we'll have jobs and stuff. So like we're not gonna be doing like three week tours, but we'll be doing like a whole bunch of weekenders and yeah stuff like that. So hopefully yeah. I'm, I was gonna say so. Hopefully, we'll maybe try and go to Europe. Yeah. Next year, um, but I don't know. Yeah, I literally don't know how it works these days with 
so far as like visas and yeah yeah all of that kind of like bullshit so but yeah that's what because that's what i was going to ask because like obviously we've spoken at length that obviously you've got like this business now obviously t sam and, and sean have all got their their own lives and again like logistically you kind of all live in different places mm-hmm. so are you like and i don't i hope i'm not speaking out of turn but like it doesn't feel like this is something that you guys are actively wanting to kind of quote unquote push so mm-hmm. to say so is it very much just that like if an opportunity presents itself you'll do it kind of situation yeah this I, I think it's just got to be something that we're all comfortable with um and something that we all want to do so like um yeah if we get offered a show and one of us doesn't want to do it or one of us can't do it the other three of us or whatever aren't going to be like oh fucking hell blah 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 it's like okay cool like yeah it's as simple as that like um so like i don't think we're like i think after we recorded this last ep we were all pretty fucking stoked on it and that kind of made us think well maybe we should should do some more shows and actively like like go out to try and rather than waiting for opportunities just see if we can make some opportunities of right own. okay but but still do it all on our own terms and like how we want to do stuff and yeah like i said something that we're all comfortable with um and yeah so far yeah so doing doing a thing with julian's band was cool then we're doing doing this weekend in november with um dial from yeah Arnold and um hamlin's band yeah great so like so yeah so stuff like that like if you can i mean again if you can an excuse to go away with with your friends and go and see other friends and like um yeah go to other cities where you've got other friends that can come to the show yeah yeah it just becomes like a kind of thing where you like have an excuse to like catch up with people because i'm i'm notoriously bad at just like disappearing into work (laughs) and just like people don't hear from me for a few weeks or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So this is a really great, great way to just, like, see loads of your friends all in one go, play some tunes that you like playing, like, have have a nice drink and, like, yeah, see see your pals. Yeah, yeah. It's good. So, uh, so yeah, so I think we're, we're not going to actively push it, as you said, but, like, we're definitely going to try and, like yeah play more shows and so after i think on the well on this weekend uh in november we'll probably have a chat and see what we want to do next yeah maybe just try so it's just like have that kind of loose like plan in motion for the next thing and then when we do that we'll get another plan for the next thing and like yeah hopefully just like i don't know just play with bands that we like along the way yeah that's fair so and just Finally, before I let you go, because I know you've got to get food and stuff, and so do I. Yeah. Um, but the new project that kind of came, well, I think we'd maybe spoken about that you were doing it, mm-hmm. but there was kind of no, I guess, preamble before the release of the summer EP, mm-hmm. which is obviously, again, you with Greg and Porter, but now with the addition of Tao, who yeah. is a person... Not that I forgot that they existed, but they <laughs> just disappeared off the ether for a little while and now yeah. have come back. So yeah, how, was that kind of, how did that kind of come about? Was it just like, again, like a natural 
like continuation from from Crows and just getting Tal involved? So, weirdly enough, I'll I'll try and keep this brief for you. But like, so the first lineup of Crows, Tal was the drummer. Yeah, because it was wasn't weren't you like part of another thing as well, which I can't remember the fucking name of now. So yeah, we did like this joke band called Questionable Youth. That's the one. Thank you. <laughs> Um, which was yeah, that was let's not talk about that. Um but yeah, so the the first Crows and Ra, um uh Greg was guitar, Porter was vocals, I was second guitar. Right. Fr- we had another friend in Cornwall, Sam, who was on bass, and it just for whatever reason just it weren't working out. And I think by that point, because me and Greg had played together in Ravishol for so long, similar to T and Sam, like I kind of instinctively know what Greg's going to do. Like, yeah. And I feel that like my drumming style complemented his guitaring style. So, so that's kind of how Crows came about. So then we had, yeah, jumbled it about. Tao moved to Berlin, which is why he sort of disappeared and stopped, stopped being actively in bands after um, we came out like Tigers. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> so they started the band with Tao and Tao put this video saying how he'd uh yeah like started this thing with the Cornish boys and I was like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> I messaged Greg and was like dude like you didn't even ask if I wanted to to, to do stuff like like what and he was like oh you live so far away but oh, you're so busy blah 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 and I was like yeah fair can I just fucking, can I play guitar? Like, oh God. <laughs> basically, basically just blagged into it because because like, um, I really liked the stuff that, that they were doing. Um, and uh, that's where my hand was like really fucked up. So like, yeah, yeah. I had to like start playing guitar again for physio. Um, and again, my, my weird guitar playing complemented Greg's weird guitar playing. So we just like sent stuff backwards and forwards, and then eventually Tao recorded the drums in in Berlin, sent the drums to us in Cornwall. Oh, well, sent the stuff to Greg and Porter in Cornwall. I went down to Cornwall and recorded there. Then we sent it to Will Killingsworth from yeah, and all the other good bands, and he mixed and mastered it, and then the record came out. So that that was it. So who's doing who's doing bass? Is it Paula? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, like, and then Greg and Porter do vocals. Yeah. So so yeah, it's like a weird mix of like OG like Ravishol and Crows, and then just a a switch around of people, I guess. Yeah. But but yeah, so again, that was like a a very non-committal like, um, like I think so. Some people start a band because they want to play loads and they want to go on tour loads and they want to write and record and do and like be in like a full-time band or whatever yeah, yeah. and like none of us can do that anymore because we're just too old <laughs> yeah so like you kind of have to do it on in like these weird ways so like constellation being like a really long distance like very loose like never never really getting together and doing stuff but still doing stuff uh soma is definitely just like essentially like a recording project i don't yeah. know if we'll ever do a show um because we've never played those songs together in the same room 
Yeah, which is wild. So it's literally just the record. And like Greg's already got some new songs that he sent to us. So we'll probably do do another record because like, cause it's just, I don't know, it's just loads of fun. Like, yeah. Um, and I guess maybe, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of like a self-indulgent thing, just recording for, to put a record out and not doing any other band stuff. But yeah, like, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like, because Cornwall's a fucking long way from Norwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, so the, yeah, the travel down is like long. So I don't know if we'd ever like practice as a band. So if we did a show. Is, is Tao back in Cornwall then? No, no. So Tao's uh, mum uh, lives in Red Roof. Right. Uh, which is just, yeah, just down the road, obviously from Penzance. So he goes back to visit her. Um, I very rarely go back to see my parents. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think there was there was talk of like trying to get together sort of towards Christmas when Tao comes back for Christmas. Right. Maybe doing like a couple of shows, but like logistically, like I don't know how it would actually work. I mean, yeah. Tao's a phenomenal drummer, but like I don't know if we like literally because you would just practice the songs at home and then go and play. Like, yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty wild. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like you'd need to have like one one practice where you kind of get to grips with with because yeah, because it's it's not as straight up as Constellation. Like so Constellation, like on when we played in Sheffield, we um we learned a song in the van. I can't fucking remember it now. It's going to piss me off. Uh, it's like an intro of this song. And we learned it in the van and then played it. But because it's so simple, like, it, it doesn't matter. I yeah, think yeah. Soma, like, because it's, like, it's fairly, like, all over the place. I think uh, <laughs> it would be a bit more daunting to uh, to do do a show. But, but yeah, Soma's just a, a kind of another sort of project type thing yeah it may or may not come into any sort of fruition in any any way shape or form well that was kind of be the, the sort of like the thing that i wanted to to find like end on kind of thing because i know obviously i think from when when you guys were in bristol with consolation i think i think maybe isaac had maybe said about like you'd said to him that soma wasn't going to necessarily do shows or whatever yeah but because of the caliber of the musicianship that's in that band mm -hmm. and like the bands that you've been in before having like some kind of fan base and following, mm -hmm. there's obviously immediately going to be an interest and a, and a want for it. So have there been quote unquote offers? Not so really, because we've been fairly like upfront about the fact that we're not going to, I mean, the, the record sold really well. Yeah. But for a band that like, has come out from the off and said we probably ain't gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. It's been pretty positive, but like, yeah, no, I think because we've been fairly like adamant that we don't really know what it is going to be. No one's actually said anything. Yeah, yeah. We've not really like asked anyone or said anything to anyone. So, and I don't know whether like would people go and see a screamo band like. I mean, we well, we put Katie on in um, in Norwich, and like loads of people came to that, and I was like, "Yeah, Screamo lives." <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess like 
yeah, I'm not I'm not old enough to be jaded yet. But I've yeah, seen, yeah, yeah. It certainly seems that like the old like the older generation wouldn't come out, but like there seems to be like newer, younger faces that are into screamo. And it's it's really funny. Like we talk about this a lot with when we're like uh, in the van with Constellation, just like stuff that we listened to like 10, 15 years ago, like all the bands we saw, like, like in tiny, tiny venues, like kids now are just like, fuck, like, can you imagine if you uh, saw Converge in this fucking upstairs yeah, yeah. room? And it's like, oh yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? so like, and so bands are like doing covers of bands that we listen to and like. So yeah, it yeah. comes around in like a full circle. So like, there's bound to be like a proper screamo. I mean, there's some fucking sick screamo coming out like all the time. Like, yeah. But you have to really be into it to sort of like know about it, I guess. Yeah, 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 definitely. I like, which is why like I speak to Darren Dog Nights all the time because like he, he's got his finger on the fucking pulse yeah. and stuff. Um, and he's a, yeah, a constant source of like, that dude's a fucking inspiration, like constant source of just like, I found this band and I'm doing this record and this is happening. And um, then there's, yeah, Zagima Beach, is it? Is that how you Yeah, yeah. In America. And like, yeah, just there's just so many good bands that are just suddenly coming out. So I feel that there there is some kind of screamo revival. And again. <laughs> I feel that like in a year's time, it might be cool to like screamo again. I mean, I, I still think it's cool, but... But we're we are few and far between. Yeah, this is very true. So yeah, but no. uh, yeah, Mikey, I could fucking talk to you for hours yeah, and it's been an absolute pleasure, my man. And honestly, I know I say this to you all the time, but I fucking miss you and yeah. I love seeing you and it's been really, really nice to chat. Thank you, uh yeah, thank you for uh having, having me on to chat. And hopefully no we'll see each other at some shows yeah, coming up soon. There's... Yeah, most definitely. It's bound to be like I'll be on one side of the stage with a camera, you'll be on the other side, <laughs> yeah. and I'll end up taking this like happened in Bristol, yeah, with you and yeah. So like, so yeah, but no, thank you and and thank you for all your support. No worries, my man. Years, like, yeah, I really appreciate uh, appreciate it. No worries. Right, go get yourself some food and rest yeah, up. Get some pizza. Bye. Yeah, take it easy, dude. All right, love you. See you right, later. Bye. Bye. So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thank you to Mikey for taking some time out of his insanely busy day to have a little chat with me. Um, as always, you can keep up to date with all the bands that Mikey's involved in. I'll put links in the description. But I know this is a bit of a weird plug, but if you ever have any kind of merch needs or anything like that, I really do highly recommend Mikey. I'm not just saying that because they're a friend. Like he's fucking killing it him him and the whole vino sangri team they literally supply as i say probably 90 percent of the band t-shirts you own they have probably printed it so go check them out go send them some love and yeah just keep supporting them um i'm going to keep this outro to a minimum because this is quite a long episode but we will once again be back next week uh with another rad rad guest but for now thank you again for stopping by the justin insight podcast and I'll see you soon.